everyone, and welcome to Igniting the Spark, Talk Film Society's Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Callie Smith, contributing writer and podcaster at TFS, and a big old Star Wars fan. Today I will be discussing Return of the Jedi with my guest, Rocky Juarez. Rocky is a writer and podcaster for TFS. How is it going, Rocky? It's going good. I appreciate you uh, having me on. This is easily one of my personal favorite Star Wars films for a million reasons, so like, this is really cool to be on here. Yeah. Uh, our mutual friends had told me and recommended you because they were like, Rocky's is Return of the Jedi. He's got to do it. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a hot take among Star Wars fans to have. This one is your your favorite. Why is this one your fave? No, it's my personal, uh, one of my personal faves, honestly, because of the fact that it was my gateway drug into Star Wars. Um, uh, Before I even saw Return of the Jedi on the big screen, like, I was born in 79, right? And so a couple years after that, my parents got me a story record that was all Return of the Jedi based. It came with a picture book, all that stuff, right? So I wore that record out. Like, I listened to that thing like crazy. So I knew the story of Return of the Jedi before I'd even seen it on the big screen. And they used audio straight from the film, too. It wasn't like a, a recreation of any kind. It was just straight up copy and paste, you know, onto this vinyl. So anyway, I wore that vinyl out, and then my parents were cool enough to take me to go see it on the big screen. And I remember just being like, this world is fantastic. It's got, like, so many cool things going on for it, from puppeteering to, you know, the laser swords. I mean, everything was clicking for me. It was just a, just on first sight. I was in love with it, just seeing it move. But then being familiar with all those audio cues, it helped a lot. And hearing all that John Williams score, all that good shit. So it really clicked just right away. And then, of course, my parents are like, you know, there's two more before this, right? And my brain, you know, exploded. I was just like, give me more. You know what I mean? Like, give me more, like Star Wars. Because I didn't know any better, you know? I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then they're like, there's more pizza in the back. And I'm like, yes, give me the pizza, you know? So that's, that's kind of what it was. So for personal reasons, like just... It's why I love Star Wars so much. It introduced me to all these characters. You still get the dashing, you know, Han Solo. You still get a crazy optimistic Luke. You know, you still get a really tough as nails, you know, Princess uh, Leia. So you get so much, like, out of Jedi, even though it's, I understand, like, the third chapter in the saga. And if we're going to, I guess, weigh them out, it's the weakest of the original trilogy. But, again, for personal reasons, it's why I love Star Wars is because of this stupid-ass movie. <laughs> and, like, I love I love the Ewoks. I love the Jabba Bard sequence. I just love it all. I really do. Um, not big on the special edition at all. I do prefer the original trilogy. But... When yeah. when he gets beat up a lot, I'm just like, no, nope. <laughs> like, no, nope, not, not me. Like Ewoks are great, Endor is great. The cross cutting between the final fight is incredible. Just the three things mm-hmm. going on at once. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jedi, and for a ton more reasons. But I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I this was my favorite one as a kid too, um, because of just everything that you talked about it just like the magic of this world is so you know obviously empire is the most solid we all, we all know this film wise but this one is the one that i feel like really highlights the magic of this world and what what potential there is of all the different aliens and stuff within star wars you know i am a big fan of ewoks too um we we love ewoks in this house um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, but I mean, even though a lot of people are like, eh, they're just big teddy bears, it's cool that in the Star Wars universe, there are big teddy bears. You know, like, it, it really opens your imagination for, well, if that exists, 
what else is going on that we're not seeing in the movie. Right. And, um, and I do get the fact that like, yeah, they were supposed to be Wookiees and, you know, they would, they would eventually give us Kashyyyk and Revenge of the Sith. You know, I, I get that. But I really love the fact that like, it's more of the Yoda thing. It's like the smallest thing can do so much damage, you know, if you're not careful, you know what I'm saying? And that's, what's cool about the Ewoks is they're super tiny, but they will hold it down, you know, up until the very end. <laughs> and I dare you not to shed a tear or feel bad when that one dies and the whole boy turns around trying to wake him up he's like come on get up man and he just doesn't get up and you're like no like that sucks you know you feel so bad for that little dude you know what i mean uh it could have been a girl (laughs) i don't know but like uh, you can't really tell ewok sexes but you know what i mean like it's it's just (laughs) a sad sad scene for me like but i love those little dudes they're great yeah and i mean honestly whenever i i think about how how they fight because obviously you know everybody's got laser blasters and stuff in star wars and then they fight with just rocks and you know all of these like traps that they lay out and honestly it very to me it feels very much in the spirit of what the rebellion is against like the empire this big organized thing having the ewoks who are their scrappy little guys you know just like basically fighting them with rocks in their fists <laughs> right. feels very in the right theme and vein of what star Wars is about. Yeah. And I love it, them. It's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's what you just said. And it's, it kind of ties into like two things, really. It's like, it's the strength of like avatar. Honestly, it's like, you know, you got these indigenous people fighting back against like such tech. Yeah. And then you have like, um, uh, what, um, homegirl says in rogue one which she's like um saw guerrero once said you know a person with the sharpest stick can win the day you know what i mean with nothing a person that's desperate with nothing to lose and has a sharp stick mm-hmm. will probably win the day because they are just going to go for it and that's really what the ewoks were doing there they just got these sticks and arrowheads and you know they're just like tiny little people like dropping rocks and logs on you and stuff it's like pretty funny like i don't know i appreciate that a lot yeah oh, i love i love the ewoks um they're and great. they're great. I mean, it's, it's, come on. Come on. Sometimes it's like, we got to have fun in Star Wars. If you don't have fun in Star Wars, uh, you, uh, then you get some of the prequel stuff and we'll get there eventually. But anyway, right. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the uh, special edition, which I feel like with all of these original trilogy movies and every episode, I've had to mention them because, oh boy, the special edition of this movie <laughs> Is rough. <laughs> it, it's the roughest out of all three. Easily, Callie. It, easy. Mm-hmm. It's the roughest out of all three because of just the, the, the amount of stuff they add. It just seems so gratuitous. It's like mm-hmm. um, I think the most the worst one that they did was the Jabba scene in, in, oh, in uh, yeah. A New Hope, and you see you know Han Solo talking to him, and he steps on his tail at one point, and it just looks so janky and it just looks so bad. And then here we have a star-like pit that has an extra, like, maw, mm-hmm. you know, within it. Or, like, a, a snake-like maw within it. And you're just like, all right, what's the point of that? And then you have, <laughs> like, uh, that musical number, the oh. Joe Cocker-esque music number. Yeah. And that's the thing that bums me out, too, because the song at the end of the original trilogy is beautiful. And then they ruin that with a brand-new score song. And then earlier in the Job of the Hut sequence that I'm bitching about, you got this new number instead of that swinging banging ass song that they originally had (laughs) and you're like what are you guys doing like it was perfect and then they add like cgi snide noodles and you're just like stop like (laughs) like no it's like 
it, to me, it's the worst of, of the three when it comes to like we're gonna add and some new surprises, and it's like, nah, we didn't need that surprise. Like we really mm-hmm. didn't need that. Like it was fine as is, like totally fine. The puppeteering of these creatures was magic, and it also emphasized how good of a puppet Jabba was. So it was oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, it was really cool to have um, his his uh, entourage, his posse, you know, being so animatronic and so tied down to puppeteering. And then when you had that crazy CGI slathering graffiti, it's gross. It's just like, oh, man, you guys really dropped the ball on that one. But anyway, that that's... That's the. I mean, uh, you have to bring up the special editions because it was a thing. It was like yeah. Star Wars is being re-released in theaters, and you're like, yes. And then they're like, with a few new surprises, and you're like, what? Uh-oh. Okay, <laughs> like, like, what's the yeah, what's going on here? And again, some were fine. Some polishes were okay. They got rid of some weird, you know, uh, effects work that wasn't quite yeah. working. And I get that. And you added a few more dobacks in the desert. Like, <laughs> I, I get that. But man, when you replace an entire number, a musical number, like a song, it's yeah. so glaring and so bad. And then the CG is just eh, at best. Oh yeah, you know, no. You, it's, you, it's, you've, it's, see, you've seen better work from Industrial Light and Magic, you know, mm-hmm. you, uh, even from stuff that predates this and that will stand the test of time. And you're just kind of like looking at this sequence, like you guys, like what happened here? Like it's it's crazy. It's great. Yeah, that uh, the scene at the beginning in Jabba's palace is like really to me. That's the thing that like really. Rubs me the wrong way. It's really heinous. Like, as soon <laughs> yeah. as he, as soon as, like, I, I start that movie and I get so lost in the, like, just how beautiful that movie is and how much I enjoy it and love it. And then as soon as Jabba is like, do that again, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah. Here we yeah, go. Your, your face just melts off, you know? Yeah, it's I, just I, like, I, oh, God. I, I feel my soul leave my body. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, God, now I have to wait through a minute and a half of this or however long this is. Oh, no. Um, And like you said, it's a bummer because the stuff that was there before is fun and good and lovely as it was. Um, But, you know, certain things, I mean, honestly, this time around, like the extra thing in the Sarlacc pit. Again, you you go, well, why? But okay. Like, it's not that bad, you know? But that's in comparison to just some of the worst stuff. I'm not really sure why we changed the song at the end that you mentioned, the Ewok song, to a piece of score. Um, I do like that that has, like, more shots of more celebrations throughout the galaxy now. That's kind of fun. Eh. Not necessary, though, you know? Yeah. It, it felt, I see what they were doing. I mean, I get it. It's the end of the trilogy. It's the end of three films, one big saga. So you want to see how the toppling of the Empire affected the entire galaxy, you know? So you're going to show Coruscant, Naboo. You're going to show all these locations that we've been familiar with, especially in the prequels. But then you change the song, and that's weird. And then you hit us with the Anakin ghost, and that's weird, the young Anakin <laughs> yeah. ghost. And, and you're like, man, what? these changes just felt weird, you know? Like, I mean, uh, I, I understand them. I do. I understand every choice that's made, but they sh- I don't think they should have been made. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, they're just, they're a little too funky. And um, I don't know. It's whatever. But, but back to the Jabba stuff real quick, before I forget. Because mm-hmm. inside of Jabba's palace you still have the magic of like the rancor sequence that's retained. Right. And what's cool about that rancor sequence is one, you get a cool monster, right. And you got some Phil Tippett magic happening there. 
you see him eating a Grimorian guard, you know, things like that. Really fun, like, sequence, and you see Luke fight this thing. But what sells that whole moment is the trainer crying for his dead Rancor. Yes. <laughs> that is seriously, like, the, that is all-timer, like, Star Wars moment right there, because it really brings it down to, like, this level of, like, even the bad guys have a heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even the even the bad guys, like, are like, man, that was my puppy. I've raised that fucker since he was, like, two, you know? Like, there was, there was sincere pain, like, in that fool's face, and every time I see that scene, I, I get a nice little, like, oh man, like, a, you know, like, a mm-hmm. feel for that dude a lot, you know? If I don't get get a giggle out of it, I definitely am like, that poor dude, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I sympathize with him, you know, uh, a lot. But yeah, it's not all bad. Again, the the special editions, like, I think in that whole sequence that I'm talking about, where they go to the Sarlacc pit, and they try to throw uh, Luke in, like, all that stuff is still retained, like, fairly well. I mean, the only thing they added, again, was another uh, mouth for the Sarlacc. But everything there is still, you know, it's intact, you know, and it looks a little better uh, in HD. So, hey, you know, it's not all bad is kind of what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. most of it is kind of suspect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, anything that seems touched up and everything, that's all well and good. But, yeah, the things that get added to this movie are d- dicey at best. Um Dicey right. at best. Um, but, man, uh, some of the things that I wrote down in my notes, one of the things that struck me this time was how silly it is in the opening that Luke and Leia both separately decide to rescue Han and don't coordinate it together and just both show up at the same time. I love that. I love mm-hmm. the chaotic Star uh, Skywalker energy that that exudes. <laughs> um, it's great. Um this movie, I mean, this movie does such a good job of properly uh, establishing, I guess, the Skywalker family and just the energy that they bring to the table um, between Luke and Leia and um, Darth, good old Darth. Um, yeah, all all that stuff to me is magic. I love the sibling uh, action. I love them both kicking ass on speeder bikes. I think all that entire sequence is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the audio of it alone, I mean, never mind how they shot the sequence, which is incredible story in itself. But the, the audio of that, it, it just sounds so incredible and unique. Yeah. I'd never really heard anything like that in a film, you know, and still to this day. Like, it's very original in that regard. And, uh, again, I love the siblings kicking ass side by side. I love... The, the father-son stuff in this film. The fact that, like, Luke is really trying to get his dad to chill the fuck out. And, like, at the last second, please redeem yourself. You know, like, I'm not going to quit on you. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff is incredible to me. Um, I'll always get chills when he yells, like, never! And he comes after his dad and the score just, like, amplifies. You know, you're just like, oh, my God, this sequence. It's perfect. It's, like, yeah. absolutely perfect. And the camera's just panning sideways and watching them fight. And you're just like... This is a necessary fight, but at the same time, I need them to stop fighting. This is incredible. Like, it's just like you're so conflicted. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. the cross cutting is so fantastic, too. But all that Skywalker stuff is important. All of it. Just yeah. like from father, son to even Han coming in and being like, look, I won't stand in the way, you know? <laughs> and you're like, you dumb shit. That's my brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love all that stuff. <laughs> it's all good. And like that final. That final, like, showdown between, like, Luke and Vader, one of the things that me and Dave talked about on the last episode is how Mark Hamill's, like, physicality in his lightsaber battles is so good in a way not many other people have gotten right, Um, because every swing of this battle feels like he's genuinely fighting for his life, you know? Um, Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And I agree wholeheartedly, especially when his dad's like, you are unwise to lower your defenses. And he like comes at him again. And he's like, shit, like, dad ain't playing. You know what I mean? Like, he sells that stuff, but then he even sells what you're saying. It's like he's really swinging those, oh, he's like really going for it. And he's yeah. selling the fucking drama of the scene. He's really selling, like, the, the, the I don't know, the swordplay adventure of it all. It's like, there's high stakes here, man. It's like... For the sake of their name, their family name, and like you know, corruption and you know all this stuff, it's it's all on the table. Every time he swings, it's very important mm-hmm. that he either lands a blow or is being super defensive. You know, it's it's incredible stuff. And like at the end of that fight too, the way that he like he also manages to sell that like you know one in one second he's going, I'm never going to turn to the dark side, never going to strike you down in anger. And then as soon as he threatens the rest of the, like, threatens Leia, like, Luke and Mark Hamill, like, completely sells a almost, like, instant descent into, like, almost madness. You know, like, he is genuinely trying to murder his dad at the end of that scene uh, for a hot second. Uh, Dude, yeah, the way he's just over him, hitting over and over with such, like... It's, it's like technique has gone out the window and it's become pure brute strength. Yeah. It's become just like pure, like, I'm going to rip through you with one of these hits, like, you know, like kind of thing. And you're like, oh my goodness, you know, but it also sells the fact that he had to hit that pitch in order to stop Vader, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because Vader is that great, you know, and that good at being the top bad. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy that he had to dig deep like that in a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. And it, like, also kind of shows, like, I really like that it establishes, like, at the end of the original trilogy, how quick-tempered every Skywalker man is. <laughs> it's like, we see that exact same, like, anger in, of course, in the prequels and Anakin all the time. But, like, even then later in Ben, in Kylo Ren, like, this is the exact, that flash of anger that Luke has is the exact place that Kylo Ren is living, like, his whole life. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just, it's really good. It's really good stuff. It works so well, and it's so, even now, still so emotional to me. Um, and it's just so affecting. Ah, ah, good. No, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. Like the Skywalker blood is very hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they get pissed quick. <laughs> like, they do. Quick. <laughs> but oh man, one of the other things that you mentioned that I definitely also want to hit on though is how pristine that speeder bike chase still is. Though, oh, oh. my gosh, it's perfect like out of all the things that get touched up and whatever it's just kind of funny that this one feels like they really just went no it's good (laughs) let's leave it yeah we're good here what you just said uh, i swear to god like that sequence is it's even today in 2019 it's so understandable like you uh, you get the geography of it all even though if even if you don't know the path of the woods you understand the direction in which the action is flowing and you understand beats where he goes you you get that one I'll take care of these two and he hits the brakes and goes behind those two like you just you get it you understand Leia going up a little higher than normal and trying to creep down like and hit the dude from above like it just all clicks, you know. Uh, all the, the the crashes are awesome too. Like when uh, 
when Luke throws the one off the the bike and he just kind of front flips into a tree and like <laughs> like boops it real quick and falls to the floor, like all that stuff clicks for me. And him uh, using the saber to block a few blows and chop off the front, which would help with steering. <laughs> and since that shit got you know torn off, he's doing three sixties into a tree, and you're like, this is or barrel rolls, I guess, into a tree, and you're like, dude, that's all this stuff works. Like I understand these vehicles, even if they're not real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, even if these vehicles couldn't exist and somebody would probably die in 0.5 seconds if they tried to speed her bike through any woods you know any dense you know thicket or whatever but it's so cool man it still adds up and yeah it it doesn't seem like they touched the damn thing on that thing it just it's so well put together so I, i love all the indoor stuff frankly i think it looks so good yeah yeah, I mean all of it, but from from the speeder speeder bike stuff all the way to like our final battle and everything. I even love how the like Ewok villages are designed, like way up in the trees, swinging between yeah. things. It doesn't. There's a shot where they're like about to bring like <laughs> C three PO on like a you know his like throne thing or whatever, and one of them swings across, and I just went, hey. How how are y'all getting C three PO across there? Hang on, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it doesn't matter, you know. Like you have that thought, and then you're immediately like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. They're gonna get him over there." Um, yeah, it's just all so wonderful, and even when it's a little overly fanciful like that, it just still feels right and good. Um, it feels Star Wars. I mean, I think Star that's Wars. that's the that's the important thing, right? It's yeah. like if they take you to a new alien locale or a new world. It feels like it could exist within the Star Wars universe, and I think that's the magic trick. I think they do take us to dozens and dozens of worlds, no matter what trilogy you're talking about. And yet, each one of them feel like, yeah, this could exist in Star Wars canon. It doesn't feel like super alien to where, like, it, it, you know, you're disconnected. You know, you, you always feel like there's an anchor of some kind that holds it down and makes you go, okay, I believe this world. I believe this tangent, you know. Uh, it also doesn't hurt things at all. To have C-3PO reliving the story to the Ewoks. Mm -hmm. That sequence is incredible to me. I love that bit. Because through audio and alien language, you fully understand where he is in the story. You know, and you fully understand, like, what he's trying to tell these people. You know, these critters who were just like, hey, we've just been chilling in these huts. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> you know, like, like, we don't understand this huge drama y'all are doing. Like, you know, so it's incredible. I, I love that sequence because he doesn't talk to him in English. You know, mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing about that. It's like he keeps it in an alien tongue. He'll add the audio of the TIE fighters in there. You know, it's pitch perfect to me. I, I love that because it's like, um, it kind of reminds me of a, a beat that happens in the Mad Max trilogy. In the third film, Beyond Thunderdome, there's mm-hmm. like these kids that are being told the story of Mad Max, and it becomes this incredible legend, basically. And that's and that's also the third film of that trilogy. And so it feels, I don't know, in tune in a weird way, even though they have nothing to do with one another. They're both hitting very similar beats. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're really reminding you that this shit's legendary, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, it's it's a moment that we also see like echoed again later in the Last Jedi. Whenever at the very end, the kids are are telling each other the story of Luke on crate, you know, and how love it. These stories are important and beautiful to the people both in the universe and out of the universe. Like you said, we don't mind hearing C three PO tell the stories again because we love the stories, <laughs> and even right. though it's not in the same language. 
we know what he's saying and we know how special it is and we know how it's affecting them because it's affected us the same way. And I'm literally getting choked up right now. Because <laughs> no, like it's great. No, it's, it, it's truly great. Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful kind of repetition. It's a wonderful kind of reminder. You know, and again, I think it's all in the way that he tells it too. Because I think if he was, I, I know this sounds crazy, but I think if he was talking in English, um, I, it would defeat the purpose like completely. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. fact that he's like communicating to them in their alien language and just spilling it out as is, like I love that. Like absolutely love that. Um, another reason why I love this film big time is it actually has. My um my favorite character in this film gets the greatest redemption arc like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people they lean on the main people, right? They lean on Luke, Leia, Han, which is great. Like Chewie being their favorites, you know. Mm-hmm. But my favorite character in all of Star Wars was always Wedge and Tilly's. Mm-hmm. Like I was I was always a huge fan of this pilot, like huge huge fan. And in the first film, New Hope, his ship gets hit and he has to leave the Death Star. And even Luke tells him, fall back, Wedge. There's nothing more you can do, you know? And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry. And he peels back. And I always took that sorry, like, to heart because I know that he wanted to fight. And I know that he wanted to keep going at all costs because he knew the stakes. But he pulls off. That's the end of that movie. Like, Luke saves the day. Luke and Han save the day, right? Mm-hmm. And then in Empire, he's still a kick-ass pilot. You know, he's taking down the ATATs with the snow speeders. He's still doing bang-up work. God bless Wedge. But then what happens? These idiots build another Death Star. They have another opportunity to blow this fucker up. And Wedge is the first dude in there. Him and Lando. And Lando's like, shoot that thing and let's get out of here. And he's like, dude, I'm already on my way out. Like, (laughs) let's go. You know what I mean? Like, let's blow this thing up. And that, to me, was like the best thing in the world. I was just like, they paid attention to that detail you know especially for people who are keeping score you know of all these minute characters you know whether they're akbar or whoever i really love the fact that they focused on wed on that moment and gave him that line like i'm already on my way out like (laughs) we got this like we got this dude like let's go you know and that makes me so happy that's another reason why i'm so into jedi is because my favorite character gets a dope moment (laughs) like when it matters the most yeah yeah so i I love that that's one of the strengths of Star Wars, right? Especially the special, the original trilogy is that like every every character, I mean every character has a name just because George Lucas just be like that. But every character though, like every character matters. And I mean we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier too with something, but like every character matters and they have more going on. Like you can tell, even if they're just a character who pops in, that there is a whole life behind that character, and this is just a moment of it, you know. And that—that's exactly. the thing. The fact that you you can watch it and get emotionally involved in just like Wedge Antilles' story from the few moments that he has on screen as the central character is just—it's just such good economical storytelling where every single piece of the puzzle matters and it all makes a huge picture of just this awesome epic battle between good and evil i love i love star wars (laughs) it's so good it's 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 very simple at its core i mean it's a very you know simple mythological hero arc you know beats that you've seen before but i don't think they've ever been like honed down in such a fashion on screen you know what i mean like you've had such ideas on screen before but this is one of those things where like 
no, like everything matters. Like all, all this universe matters. It's not just the story we're telling with the family, the Skywalker, Emperor, Vader, like all these main characters that matter. There, all these little people that are sprinkled within, they all matter to this grand scheme of things. And it's kind of like what you said. Even if they flashed on screen, you could tell there's a lived-in, solid experience there. You could tell that, like, I, I know for a fact, like, Star Wars is probably responsible for some of the most fan fiction that's ever existed oh, yeah. like, oh, in the yeah. world. I mean, that's an easy thing to say, but, like, when you look at all the side characters, you know for a fact some fool was just like, oh, yeah, and in the cantina, there was this, you know, like, yeah. there was this squabble, and there was, this is how this fool got this blaster, and, like, you can go off in Star Wars, and that's what's so cool about it. It's like the whole world feels like it's been around forever, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it just... It, it, even though technically it's been around since the 70s, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like you can turn a corner in any place you're in in Star Wars and find another person living an epic story that you could focus the whole thing on, you right. know? Uh, and that's just, that's just a really magical feeling that, like, honestly, even when I, I, I'm a fan of the sequel trilogy, I love them dearly, but, like, I don't think that's even captured in those, <laughs> you know? Like, it's not, it's not something we see anymore this world where you could eh, well actually i say that but like the mandalorian is like that mandalorian is definitely something that makes you feel like oh everybody here has something awesome going on yeah but it's it's a difficult thing to capture and capture right and whenever it it is captured right oh man chef's kiss mm, it's perfect it's wonderful and, and here's the other thing about jedi that i really love like i said i saw it when i was probably three i was probably three when i saw it on the big screen maybe four i can't recall but it's one of those ages and i saw the film and it gave me that impression right away it was just like wow this world is cool i want more of it i appreciate that but then even now in my 40s when i watch return of the jedi i'm like this world is cool and even if I didn't know about it, I would want to know more about it. Like, this is so yeah. fucking cool. Like, look at that creature. Look at this dude. Why is his armor looking like that? Like, who is <laughs> this dude? Like, it's just got so much texture and so mm-hmm. much detail. Even for a film that came out in the 80s, it's got so much stuff, like, happening on it visually. That I think even if, you know, it's the weakest chapter, if you want to get down to it. I, it still had so much going on for it that I'm like, dude, like I want more of this. Like I, I need more of this. What is what is happening here? Like what is this stuff? You know, and it just still hits me with that level of fascination. Um, especially if I'm watching the original, like untainted ones, I still get that vibe. I still am like, those ships are cool. Like this broken looking Death Star looks great because that was the first Death Star I ever saw. It was a busted up, halfway built. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Death Star yeah, 2, yeah. I think is what they call it. But that thing looked so fascinating to me. And even Vader's ship, the way it's shaped, uh, the Emperor's ship, uh, the way it's shaped, all of it, it just looks so cool to me that I'm like, what is all this shit? Like, what is Star Wars? You know, I still get that vibe. You know, every time I check out Jedi, you know, it just, it looks great. It looks so great. Yeah. It's a, man, what a movie. And it's just like, if this is the weakest of the, of the original trilogy, it's just kind of like, you know, if you watch this alone, you know, and it, you would, you would go, this is a really good movie, you know? And it's just kind of funny that the weakest of the original trilogy is still like a 
damn solid film. You know, like, it is not... There's no part of this that I watch and feel like, well, we could cut that. You know, <laughs> like, it's... No, like, it's I agree. Good. It. I think it's all good. It still maintains that childlike glee uh, yeah. that pulls you in. It's still a family film. You can watch it with a five-year-old. You could still get a lot out of it as an adult. And I will always, always, always... Never mind the Wedge and Tilly stuff that I brought to the table. I will always <laughs> say this to people. My personal, like, stuff aside. That final battle sequence, that, and I brought this up already, but the final battle sequence where it's three things happening at once, the indoor fight, all the magical dogfighting in space, to the father-son emperor fight, the cross-cutting between those three taught me so much about how you can edit action sequences together. Like, yeah. I remember just growing up loving films, all kinds of films. Like, I can talk John Wick with you. I could talk Star Wars with you or Lawrence of Arabia. It doesn't matter. But the cross-cutting between those three sequences taught me so much. I'm like, wow, you really can jam-pack all this information in the, in the third act and never be incoherent. Like you can mm-hmm. totally still t- tell your story and know where you're at at all times. And it doesn't hurt when, like, you know, Emperor's like, hey, look outside the window. Your boys are walking into a trap. You know, he links it all together, like, you know, in that regard. But still, the editing, though, is what I marvel at the most. Like, even Mm -hmm. upon rewatch, I'm like, this all works. I'm like, you can't knock this. Like, they're at the finish line. They're telling the last chapter. And they gave us three finales? Like, (laughs) edit it all together? That's tight. I'm sorry. Like, that that is literally incredible. Like, under the magnifying glass, under scrutiny, that's good. That's good work. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's so good. And it just, yeah, I mean, ah, you just don't, you you don't even see editing quite like that anymore, like in our big blockbuster movies. Uh, It's very like, there's one thing happening and we're focusing on that. You know, you don't see these multiple storylines balance so well. I feel like we're not, I feel like maybe they're afraid of asking too much of the audience. But I think if you do it right, it's just so perfect. It can be so perfectly balanced and keep you on board with every single storyline all at once. Um, oh, it's wonderful. This is wonderful. Oh, for sure. And of course, your secret sauce is always going to be John Williams uh, yeah. t- tying that wonderful score together. And of course, that genius sound design, you know, um, mm. because... Uh, but everything, like, back to the speeder bike sounding so original, mm-hmm. that's the secret of Star Wars is the sound and, and audio. I mean, like, all the sound, all the music is what makes it wholly original because the TIE Fighter sounds like a TIE Fighter. X-Wing sounds like an X-Wing. And if you even go back to the original, uh, not the original, but the prequels, um, the pod race sequence in particular, every single engine sounds so different from one another. Like, they, yeah. they, they did not phone that in at all like Sebulba's engine sounds like his Anakin sounds like his and so on and so forth like and you got like dozens of cars or or pod racers sorry like blazing (laughs) through you know Tatooine in in that moment so I I just love that shit man I just I love how they pulled that off big fan yeah um just I mean it helps uh with something like a hectic third act that has three things going on it's like it's wonderful that you can isolate the scores that way it's wonderful how you can just maintain uh consistency with your audio like all throughout three films it's pretty bonkers that you know uh bird pulled that off i mean like there's some really good shit there like nonstop. every time you go back to it it's like man what a job yeah. like to come up with all that audio you know and something 
wholly original for each engine and you know so yeah. forth. It's just nuts. Like I would have went mad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like I'm trying to get to the Millennium Falcon to sound right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just stuff that like they didn't have any. It's it's hard sometimes to remember and realize that it's not like they had anything to go off of at the time, you know, whenever they were working on these. Nowadays, we have old Star Wars movies that people can pull from and work on. But, like, they had to come up with these sounds that we didn't... How? How? I mean, how do you even describe what a starship should sound like to somebody, you know? Um, right. it's It's amazing in the way that, like, you know, each... Each different area of the um, of these three, you know, things: space, Endor, and on the Death Star, have such a different sound. Also, just in the score and how the score changes for each one, and just even background noise, you know, like helps set the mood of each different one and get you switched over really, really well as soon as the scene changes. It's just a really mm, immaculately <laughs> crafted finale. Um, ah. Yeah, it's it's hectic in in all the right ways. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a kind of uh, hectic style of filmmaking that, like, I think you know, I, I I think honestly, if they hadn't have like sharpened their tools on film one and two, I don't think they would have been ready for three. I think if they would have tried to come out the gate with something like that, I don't think it would have clicked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I think it's very important that like the first film just had X wings trying to blow up a Death Star. And they focus primarily on that. And, and great work, you know. I love all that shit. Uh, and then with something like Empire, you have something just pretty chill with, with a father-son fight, you know, on uh, in Cloud City. But then there's the whole third act of, you know, Jedi. That's bonkers. That's absolutely bonkers. And yet it clicks because we give a damn about these characters. We care about this music. And we care about, like, all the stuff that's added up to this point. And, um... And again, even in my case, when I, this is the first film I ever saw from Star Wars, I remember just thinking, like, this is rad, and I can watch this forever. And mm-hmm. the fact that, like, I went back and watched the other two, I'm like, well, wow, that really works. Like, that's insane, <laughs> yeah. like, how, how they were able to kind of crescendo in that way without dropping the ball. You know, I, I, real, I will always go to bat for Jedi for a lot of reasons, you know, and that's kind of one of them. It's like, they had a lot of, you know, they had a lot to pull off. You know, they had, they had to really nail that ending, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for all intents and purposes, I think they got it right. I mean, yes, we're blowing up another Death Star, but I think there's more to it than that. I think the strength of that final fight really is the father-son shit and all the Skywalker stuff and how special that is. And, like, you know, let me look at you with my own eyes and all these moments where he's, like, burning his dad. Like, all of that matters, like, big time. Like, big, big, big time. Like, it's very important to see and it's there forever until the end of time. And I'm so glad that they pulled that off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. If, if they'd have dropped the ball at any of that, I think I'd be here like, fuck Jedi. <laughs> you know? like, I, would, I would have the adverse reaction. I'd be like, you know, this film had me and then it lost me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be that yeah. guy. But no, nah, it's, it's special. I'll always go to bat for Jedi. Always. I mean, yeah. I think the like... You know, that feeling of disappointment that would happen if, you know... I think that's the thing... Not to get into this too much because well, we'll get there eventually in this podcast, but I think that's the thing a lot of people are struggling with right now for Rise of Skywalker. Um, 
is that, you know, that movie had a lot of things to juggle and it didn't do it quite as immaculately and wonderfully as Return of the Jedi does. And nope. uh, there's a lot of uh, drama going on right now in the fan yeah. base because of it. Um, and I'll go, I'll go on record yeah. saying that I'm okay with that movie. Like, and, and that just, is exactly I, where I'm at. <laughs> I'm okay with that movie. It gave me enough to make me happy as a Star Wars fan, but I will be the first to admit that it could have been handled better. And yeah. that's really, but without any vitriol and without any kind of like, like, fuck this movie. Like none of that yeah. is ever yeah. going to escape my lips. I'm going to watch that Kylo montage probably a million times, like at the beginning of the oh, film of him, yeah. you know, getting the wayfinder. Like there's, there's enough there for me to be like, this is cool, you know, and yeah. cool is kind of where it stops. Yes. I wish it was a masterpiece or yeah, I wish it was like perfect, but mm-hmm. I, I got to see Wedge again, y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wedge showed up at the final fight and I was at that press screening like, yes, like Wedge, you know what I mean? Uh, probably the only dude in the audience like double fisting in the air like, yeah, like, like I know that gray haired son of a bitch. Like that was like, so that, that was my shit. You know what I mean? But um, anyway, yeah. like. I'm, I'm fine with the movie, and I just kind of wanted to bring that up because, yeah, it's tough juggling the third chapter. And uh, famously, all throughout any saga, I don't care if you're talking about RoboCop, like, the third movie is always like, damn it, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, there's always, like, a history of, Ugh, you know, like, this third yeah. chapter, you know? But I don't feel that way for Jedi. I don't. And it's for all the reasons I just rambled about. It's like, I really, th- I really think that third chapter is fine, dude. Like, yeah. in, in all the right ways. Yeah. No, it's just a, it's a solid movie and I love it dearly. Um, any, any other final thoughts on Return of the Jedi, Rocky? Honestly, no, I've said my piece because like, um, <laughs> yeah. every, no, everything else would be like, just like adding on to it. And I would just repeat yeah. myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, honestly, I but, uh, I will say this though. There was a board game back in the day of, of what Jabba's barge and um mm-hmm. it was like a hexagonal kind of game and you had to go up the barge and you can push other guys off the side into the starlight pit because the barge was over the starlight pit uh i wish that game ruled and it does not rule it's a bad game <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember even as a kid being like this game is whack and i only want to play it like one more time before i like pack it up like forever and uh this happened when I was like a tiny little kid in Altus, Oklahoma, and I remember uh, playing that game and not really loving it at all. And then I flash forwarded to maybe three years ago, I Googled it. I was like, hey, remember that barge game? And I Googled that shit and was like, oh yeah, no wonder. Like, this game is stupid for like a million reasons. Like, it's just designed <laughs> so poorly. It looks cool because you literally build an entire Java barge, right? Uh, that's where the board goes on top of. And then you have this literally the starlight pit below you uh, in a polygonal kind of weird shape. It's like paper, you know, like folded up. And you're like, this is the coolest shit in the world. Like this, this looks cool, but the game is so whack. And I just need to go on record saying that that board game is whack. <laughs> so if you're like, I need to get this off eBay, oh, like be wary, Star Wars fans, be wary. Watch a YouTube review first or something else. Like be be careful. This is me telling you, be careful. That's all. Uh, no, I love it. I love a good merchandise spotlight. We haven't had that kind of thing on a, on a Star Wars episode yet. But yeah, awesome. Uh, so Rocky plugs. Uh, tell tell everybody where to, where to find you. 
Uh, you can find me on Talk Film Society. Um, I definitely add to podcasts there like I'm doing here. But um, I also have a column with Stephanie Crawford, my best buddy from Las Vegas. Uh, it's called Late Fees. And her film brain is incredible. And I have, for as many films as I've watched, I have tons of blank spots. And so I cheat and I go to the supercomputer that is Stephanie Crawford and I ask her, give me like a bunch of recommendations. I take them to heart. I rent them from Vulcan Video. I just watch them and we talk back and forth about them. And I'm very proud about that because it helps me fill in my film knowledge. But I'm also just like, I should have seen this already. Like the first thing we did was uh, Dr. Fibes. And I was like, how did I miss this incredible Vincent Price performance slash in totally original bad guy? Like to- like like Freddy Krueger original, Jason original. Like Dr. Fives is one of the coolest original horror creatures like ever and I just missed it completely, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy for that. So please look at late fees, you know, because you get to see me fill in some really cool film gaps. And some were just like, you didn't see that yet? What's wrong with you? And I kind of <laughs> want people to clown me, <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> so, yeah, check out late fees on Talk Film Society and any podcast that I'm a part of, too, because I love yakking about movies. Awesome. Well, as for me... Uh... I'm sure everybody knows by now, but you can find me on Twitter at CallieSmith92. You can find what I write at Talk Film Society, uh, more episodes of Igniting the Spark, and all kinds of other cool, fun stuff. Um, But yeah, thank you for coming on the show, Rocky. Appreciate it. Of course, it was a pleasure. I love this film very much, as much as I love Star Wars. And um, I'd recommend people also dive into the Clone War cartoons, Yes, and, and I've Rebels. been doing that recently, and they are great. Oh, uh, especially if you got Disney Plus. I mean, like you really got no excuse. Like they're, they're all on there. They're going to add more Clone War episodes pretty soon, and I promise you, they are not pointless. Because I went into the whole mindset of why would they make a Clone War series? There's no point. Like we know what happens in the Clone Wars, and we know that all the Jedi die. Like what the fuck's the point of this? I remember having such a bad attitude <laughs> about it, and then I, and then I started watching them, and I was like, I'm an idiot. I was like, these these are great. Like these yeah. are adding to the lore, and these are adding to the world. And uh, I wouldn't trade, you know, Ahsoka Tano for anything right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I love her so much. As much as I love all the characters in Rebels, too, um, I, I just, I fell in love with both of those cartoons big time, or both of those animated series big time, and I couldn't have been more wrong. So I'm telling y'all, if you're a Star Wars nut, dive into those, please. Like, they're so yes. good. Yes, they're great. Uh, highly recommended from me as well. But, yeah. All right. Well, everybody... May the Force be with you.